Hi everyone, hope you're all okay if you're listening. Um, welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Coaching Podcast, Neurodiverse Universe, uh, with myself, Ben Holmes. Um, just a little introduction about our own company, in case you don't know about us, it's the first time you're hearing about us. Um, so we offer uh, coaching for neurodiverse individuals, we offer training for businesses, um, public speaking, uh, we have an online um, subscription service as well, uh, full of content, videos, etc, etc. Um, we also do a lot of other neurodiversity related stuff as well. Um, now you can visit our website, which sort of highlights what we do, uh, which is www.autismandneurodiversitycoaching.co.uk. Uh, we also have a partner company called Autistic Army, um, so check that out as well. Um, now today we have a guest with us, so it's Emily Ellsworth. So welcome, Emily. Hi. So uh, just about Emily, uh, she's autistic with her own uh, companies as well. I believe you're a qualified teacher um, and you've worked in museums, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get into it then. Um, so what I always like to do is ask a few quick fire questions um, to everyone and then we'll sort of get into the, the main podcast itself. Um, so when were you actually diagnosed as, as being autistic? I was diagnosed in November 2020. Um, so what's that? Just just under two years now. It feels like a lot longer. Um, so yeah, sort of in the middle of lockdown two, started doing um the actual assessments and things in lockdown one, and then got the assessment confirmed in lockdown two. Um they said they had enough evidence in March, but still made me wait till November right yeah <laughs> wait yeah yeah it must have been um strange it all happening in lockdown i guess um i suppose it adds another dynamic to it really doesn't it yeah yeah it's not what i expected because i'd done all my research into what the process was like and what they did and then so my like first assessment was on the 24th of March so that first full day of lockdown so I was like I can't go out of my house and now I've got to spend three hours on the phone which I really hate doing um yeah. so yeah great thanks everyone that was <laughs> yeah it was it's, yeah it just made it feel even more strange going through that process in in that time yeah yeah, God, that, that day, yeah, that's uh, interesting as well. Um, obviously, well, being autistic and doing phone calls is always good, isn't it, as well, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, so you're quite, I suppose it's, well, 2020, it's not that long ago, but as you've said, uh, once you get diagnosed, I guess it's, a, a lot happens in a short space of time, um, I would imagine. Um yeah. Probably with COVID as well, you've probably had more time to sort of think about it, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now it's I think when you're late diagnosed, it always adds a different dynamic as well, um, compared to if you your child and you sort of brought up with it, I guess. Um, so what did getting the diagnosis mean to you? Um 
you know, did it make your life better in any way or worse? Um, I think it was better in that I now understood who I was and like why I'd had all the struggles that I'd had for the previous 27 years of my life and why, you know, I could finally, you know, rationalize the fact that when whenever a mental health professional had said oh you just don't try hard enough and that's why you never feel any better I'm like no I do try hard enough it's you that's not being accessible um so that was that's probably not my main takeaway from getting a diagnosis I should probably just say but like that was quite empowering um but yeah that kind of oh and uh, like somebody once said to me like oh you're not depressed you're autistic I'm like I am sort of depressed, but I am autistic as well. Um, yeah. So I think it's that kind of understanding of actually it's okay that I have these routines that I have and I have these things that I have to do and I have, you know, it, it's okay. And I think that's, it's just been, that's been positive. Like definitely like having that understanding and, and if somebody goes, well, why are you doing that? I'm like, because my brain's wired differently to yours <laughs> and that's why I have to do that um so yes yeah, so that's been definitely positive yeah as much as it was a shock it was a positive shock <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I that. and I suppose a lot of people don't understand just going back to what you say a minute ago a lot of people don't understand um some of the differences between autism depression and anxiety whatever yeah um, and some people think you can only be one thing, you can't have all these other things as well. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting as well. Um, yeah, it's, <clears throat> I always like to know how people felt when they got diagnosed. Um, so obviously everyone has different experiences. Like for me, it was the best thing ever, but I know I've spoke to some people and it's made life worse for them. So it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. Um, I think you have to expect both sides of it, I guess, as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm like really positive about being autistic, but I fully understand that there are people out there who have a completely different experience to me. So yeah, just yeah, like you say, understanding both sides of it, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And did it sort of um so spoke about how you felt about it? Did it sort of change your life? Just just following on from that, did it change your life much, would you say? Um I'm just going to give a really boring answer of yes, but that's not a full answer. So, um, yes, it did. I think like even sort of moving towards now what I do in terms of kind of changing that narrative of what it need, means to be autistic. I think I started doing that three days after my diagnosis because why would you wait around? And just um, so I was, you know, I'd worked in museums. I'd, I was working in a school at the time when I got a diagnosis um and left that and just yes. just like you know what I'm going to focus on these are the reasonable adjustments I need this is kind of what I need and just be a lot more vocal about it and just be like no that's nonsense I'm not listening to this um so yeah just kind of that's been a big big change that kind of going from working for other people to suddenly working for me <laughs> um so yeah it's has been a big change I think there's still a long way to go in terms of like some people it can it's taken a bit longer but I think that's kind of 
a lot what I hear a lot from other people is that some people adapt like really quickly and other people take a bit longer but that's okay (laughs) um we can cope with that so yeah no absolutely um I say everyone learns it not learns everyone takes things at different speeds and whatnot don't they um yeah I think how you've said when you said about jumping sort of straight into it that's sort of what I um did as well um well I actually found out I was autistic before I got diagnosed and it's more of a formality for me so I've done a lot of the research before that but um yeah it's interesting how some of us sort of then jump straight into it do all the research just change um a lot of aspects of your life like working for yourself etc um and I guess what you were saying when you're being when, when you was diagnosed would you say that it sort of gave you more not authority but like because you know you're autistic and you've got that proof you can then say well I'm autistic so therefore I do need reasonable adjustments and I need x y and z and I, I can say that yeah absolutely like before when and I often say when it was just mental health I am not downplaying mental health in any way shape or form but like when people told me there was nothing else going on now that we know there's autism and potential dyspraxia we know there are other things going on but um when it was just kind of along the lines of anxiety I'd go I need reasonable adjustments because of anxiety and they'd go no you don't Uh, like that thing of everyone has to deal with traffic okay that's 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 not reasonable (laughs) um um, so yeah I think it has helped in that way and that now I can go do you know what I am now actually covered under the Equality Act so like and I love quoting the Equality Act like I won't do it on here but like I do love quoting the Equality Act you have to do this because this says this um so yeah that's been a joy (laughs) I have to do it too frequently, but it's a joy. <laughs> no, feel free. Say what you want to me. Say what you yeah. want. <laughs> uh, no, it's, sorry, go on, go on. No, so I was just saying, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, no, it's, it's, it's good to hear. And um, like I said, with the mental health side of it, I think obviously employers, a lot of people are, are different, but I, I find a lot of them are still they don't know what to do with autism at all they don't know what to do some are scared of it so like you've said once you said you're autistic you might be like oh i need to, to do something i don't know what i need to do but i need to do something um and then others might just sort of dismiss that you are autistic or they might treat you differently good or bad um i mean i, I don't know i mean some can then be patronizing about it because they don't know how to sort of deal with it and they like treat you like a kid and things like that and it's like because they just haven't had the training or they haven't got the knowledge or some are just not willing to listen as, as well as what I found amongst businesses. Yeah, and I think there's a, a bit of a, a fear as well with employers, and I'm sure you find this as well, that yeah. like they'll, they won't know what to do, but they won't ask the autistic person. And I'm like, hello, I know exactly what I need. <laughs> like, yeah. ask if I'm having a day where I'd rather not have a conversation, I'll write it down for you. Like, just, just ask me what it is I need. I can tell you it in as much or as little detail as you want. <laughs> like, it's not, but yeah, like you say, it's that people are scared. And it, it's, you know, 
we're everywhere. As I quite frequently say, like, don't be scared of us. Although saying we're everywhere makes it quite scary, actually. That's ignore that bit. But like, we're not something to be scared of. So yeah, it's just just ask the question. It's it's simple and it works um, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Like like you've said, it's like you've stood there like with your hands up waving about and they're like looking around you saying oh who can we ask about autism how do we find out about it and there's like it's literally staring them right in the face or something yeah or maybe not staring them because the eye contact thing but maybe yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah looking off just slightly to the like the right hand side maybe yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah no definitely it's uh there's, there's a lot of work to be done i believe yeah um so how did sort of family and friends um you know, anyone in your life, I guess, how did they respond um, to your diagnosis or once you told them or, you know, how did that sort of play out? I think in terms of, like, family and, like, close family friends, it was, like, relief of, oh, this is what's been going on <laughs> with Emily for all these years. Like, and I think a few people, like, felt quite guilty because they were like, oh, looking back, it's so obvious now that like, you know, you had to eat in a certain way and you couldn't have this and, you, you know, you didn't like when things changed and and it's like, don't feel guilty. Like, I didn't know. I, I had, as a qualified teacher, had done training on autism. I didn't notice it in myself. So like, literally don't feel guilty. <laughs> Person who's never had any training. Um, um, and I think my friends have been, so I kept it quite quiet for my friends. I think it was about three months after that I actually said something about it. And I genuinely think I said something about it because originally my um, Instagram account was private. I was like, I'll keep it, not private, anonymous. That's the word I'm going for. Um, yeah. And me not being great with technology, I accidentally uploaded a photo of myself. and was like, well it's sort of obvious it's me now isn't it <laughs> um so I was like you know okay I'll tell people that this is what's and actually they were they were really supportive um and like they're quite understanding now with like social situations and um like which restaurant we go to or kind of you know is it better to go to this cafe or I mean I'm not gonna lie sometimes you go out with me and we do have to attempt six or seven different cafes before we can go in because there's just something not quite right um but most people have been quite like understanding of that so it's yeah it's good it's yeah yeah so it's and there's like lots of conversations about it and a lot of them kind of like follow me on social media so they're like oh we noticed you did this and I'm like oh yeah I forgot you follow me on there um <laughs> yeah so it's been I can't think of any like friends or family like negative experiences so yeah it's been like I say we're still this everyone's still learning but yeah it's it's been good on the whole yeah that's yeah. really good to hear um that you've got supportive uh, people around you because as, as, as you probably know again you, you can get a mix um some really supportive, some some the opposite. So that's that's really good. You you've had that. Um, no, it's not really good. Um, and just with the so when you got diagnosed, so 
so you mentioned a few minutes ago about um, you being a teacher and then not sort of recognising it, having done the the course, etc. So, yeah, um, yeah. How, so I don't know if you want to talk about that. Just I'm just interested, obviously. Yeah. Know, um, what was the link between that then and then getting the diagnosis and? So, in terms of. There isn't really like it was more me questioning it. So it was the community mental health team that first mentioned me being autistic um, to me, um, like Christmas 2019. Um, they spent an hour with me and went, Has anyone ever mentioned autism? And I went, Yes, loads of people, because I've worked in this school, this school, and this school, and I've done this training. And I was like, But I'm you know, I'm not a boy under the age of 10. I'm not not traditionally verbal. I quite frankly hate trains and computers. So like, I'm not autistic. <laughs> and then they did like a, um, like a mock screening assessment. And they're like, we are 99.9% .9 sure that you are autistic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's when I started doing my research. But yeah, I was just like, how have I done and I'd done training six or seven times um and I'd even when I was at university you had to go to like um I know they call them in different things in different places in the UK but um like specialist provision schools um we did had to go and do a day placement in one of those and Again, I was told that autism is something to be scared of. In fact, the teaching assistant introduced herself by saying, hello, I'm whatever her name was. If I say run, run fast. And I went, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I do what now? I don't run in the first place, let alone fast. Um, so, yeah, so it was, that's kind of the connection of, I had always been taught it was something really negative. It was something... You know, it was, it was challenging behaviour, um, which I've just realised on a podcast, nobody's going to have seen that. I've just done inverted commas, but that's what I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, yeah, so, it's so strange that, and that's what's motivated me to do what I do now and speak so publicly, is I just think, I just didn't have a clue. <laughs> and I just, like, before... December 2019 like the, my you know narrative of what autism was was so like narrow and like yes I know there are some boys under the age of 10 who will grow up to be like autistic adults and people do like trains they like computers some are not traditionally verbal and it's just yeah it's yeah but that's 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 one person like that's 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 one yeah um i'm yet to meet anyone that hits all five of that criteria by the way um apart from case studies at university um who were fake people so make of that what you all want <laughs> yeah they probably weren't even real um but yeah so that it was such a yeah yeah no like, that's yeah. interesting well um yeah, I mean, the fact you've done all that training, as you've said, makes me think, you know, is the training, is it like listen to what you've said, this, the stereotypes you've mentioned there, which is why then there's no way you could be autistic, um, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I was even told in a training session sort of in 2020 that there was no way I'd get a diagnosis and then like a month later I'd, I had the piece of paper in my hand. <laughs> why, why, did, why did they tell you that there was no way? Did they say why? Or? Uh, because oh, what was it? it was something around me being high functioning um, um, so they were like oh you seem okay okay I'm not gonna go I won't go into functioning labels but like <laughs> at the time I was like what do you mean I'm high functioning like no um <laughs> like yeah. you're seeing one version and I think I was, it was an online one because of like COVID and everything I was like I'm sat on my sofa with a weighted blanket on me you're literally seeing my shoulders and head how can that make me look but yeah it was very much oh you'll just never get a diagnosis of that I was like, oh, okay. But that was like within the first five minutes. So you can imagine how much I listened <laughs> for the last like two hours of it. Yeah. No, I, that's, no, I, I mean, I'm very much against the function labels myself. Um, very much against it. But again, it's everyone's entitled to the opinion, etc. cetera. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I won't get into the function levels side of it either, but yeah. Um, no, I mean, again, I don't know what some of them expect. Like, obviously, they may have seen like non-verbal, so they might think, well, they can speak, so they can't be autistic. But then if on a phone call or something, what, or a Zoom call or whatever, what, I don't know, what, what they're expecting. I've, I've no yeah. idea. Yeah, and I'd literally at that point, I think all I said was, hello, my name's Emily, this is my role, and I'm going through the process of getting an autism diagnosis. And that, I think, is all I'd said up until that point. <laughs> I was like, how? <laughs> like that, I, I couldn't tell whether somebody was autistic or not based on, what, three sentences? Is that three? Yeah, mine, yeah three sentences. That's... You've got to be confident in your uh, autism radar, I suppose, if, if that's how quickly you can make a decision. But, um, yeah, I mean, well, here I am. <laughs> Obviously, that, that information was wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what sort of support, if any, have you received since diagnosis, whether it be, well, anyone really, whether professionals or, um, you know, doctors, friends, family. I know, well, I know you've said with friends that they were supportive in terms of accepting um, with the restaurants and what have you. Um, but have you had any other sort of support at all um, since diagnosis? Um, so, what's what? In terms of, I would say doctors wise, that's still an ongoing, very much ongoing work in progress <laughs> of getting any form of support um, that they actually understand. I mean, I've even had a conversation with my doctor where they went, how do you know you're autistic? And this was like six months ago. And I was like, because we know that report that's on your system. <laughs> And that flag that really should have been there since November 2020, that's how I know. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't have any record. 
course you don't of course you don't um so gp is a massive no um i have recently started some like autism specific counseling that i've been on a waiting list for since i got diagnosed um i think i've had three four i don't know three or four sessions of that um so that's going well just kind of working through some um the stuff that's kind of happened pre-diagnosis really um but in terms of that that's kind of like the only autism specific support I've actually received I think everyone thinks I get like I got a diagnosis and I suddenly got an occupational therapist and I got a speech and language therapist and I got you know all these different people and like that just didn't happen they went here's your piece of paper off you go and I know that happened it's very I don't know it's like that postcode lottery thing isn't it if it, it depends on where you live there's somebody who lives like half an hour from me and the difference in support you get offered when you diagnose is ridiculous like it just shouldn't be shouldn't be that way and when you're trying to go no I do actually do need support I just don't get it and like, <laughs> I don't think people understand that um I mean obviously I've had like support for setting up the business and stuff but again not autism specific um and that's been very much going back to what I was saying before of you know I can now say I'm autistic I need reasonable adjustments but it's been very much that on repeat for the last sort of 18 months which is boring for me by this point with the same people um so it must be getting boring for them by this point as well um but yeah I think unless I am missing something I had a couple of sessions of like post-diagnostic to like understand what it meant but I don't know because I was so accepting of it I was a bit like I don't know how much difference that actually made if you know what I mean like it wasn't the diagnosis that I wasn't accepting of it was more like the injustice of pre-2020 that I wasn't very accepting of um I'm probably not very exceptional still if I'm being totally honest but that's what drives me to do what I do so yeah yeah so that was with the the one you just mentioned there was it more like oh you are autistic it's like yeah no I am like yeah I know that so I don't need you to tell me that I just need the actual support I'm crying out for and acceptance and what have you um yeah yeah no just on what you were saying about the the postcode lottery thing like yeah I found it yeah you can literally go several miles down the road and they get more support or less support and uh, many of us sort of get diagnosed and that's it right you've got a diagnosed see you later um get on with the rest of your life and, and that's that really yeah and I don't know about it I think it's the same with the report that you get as well like that tends to vary in how like good it is like mine spends most of it saying Emily doesn't have a learning disability I'm like well I could have told you that like yeah. you didn't need to spend four pages essentially telling people that did you um but yeah that yeah so I think even then you're just like well, that's not helpful is it it's really not helpful apparently it's helpful to someone just not me yeah. um yeah no, exactly. So what um what other however you word it, whether you say conditions, disorders, things, whatever you want to call them as, what what else do you have or 
what else are you um, that you know of? Um, so I self-identify as dyspraxic um, because, again, well, they told me that at the autism assessment, you probably are dyspraxic, um, but because you're over 18, unless you've got loads of money, you're not going to be able to find a diagnosis. And I was like, all right, okay. I've done all the like online stuff and I'm pretty sure I am. Um, and then obviously there's kind of like anxiety, depression, um, like gastrointestinal things. Um, currently kind of looking into whether there's like chronic pain conditions, there's skin conditions, basically everything links to autism, doesn't it? There's lots like um, going on. So when people go, you're fine. I'm like, no, I'm really not. You need to look at my medical history. Um, <laughs> um, and I do occasionally question ADHD, but again, when I've brought that up to people, they've gone, oh, but that's just your anxiety. And I'm like, I mean, your face says it all. It's really not, is it? And I'm like, yeah. it, ADHD is not just anxiety, but that's what they said with autism, which is why I'm like, oh, I'm, I can't go through this process again. Well, not for another 27 years, because I'd be 56 by that point. So, <laughs> And I was told when I went for the autism diagnosis that once you get to 50 up here, like that they're not interested. You've made it this far. You must be OK. Wow. Uh, I've got another 21 years to get any form of diagnosis of anything, apparently. And then that's it. I'm past wow. it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it, there's a lot of kind of different conditions, but again, because I think of difficulties trying to actually get anywhere medically, there's a lot of unanswered diagnoses going on as well, um, which is great when you don't deal well with uncertainty in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, yeah, and like everything's looked at in isolation, isn't it? So whenever I'm like, are you sure this isn't linked to being autistic? They're like, oh, we don't really know. I'm like, now you do, because you just type things into Google and it tells you quite clearly is linked. But no, it's all looked in, in isolation, which um, I realised was the most long-winded answer to what year of the diagnosis. <laughs> that was more me having a rant, wasn't it, really? So, yeah, there's lots of, like, mental health conditions, neurodivergent conditions, and um, like physical health things all kind of going on at once, um, which is really fun on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, um, I'm completely on board with that. I mean, I'm dyspraxic myself. I have ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, as well as autism or being autistic, um, I'd like to say. Um, some other stuff you mentioned. Um, so yeah, it's when you've got all that thrown into the mix, it's yeah, it can be quite wild when you've got all these different thoughts and issues or strengths and all these things just sort of mixed together. Um, I mean, if you want, we'll come back to, if you want to come back to some of the yeah, some of the other conditions later on, we, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned ADHD as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, do this thing where I sort of I feel like I can spot it in others, but then I tell myself don't say anything because you can't keep doing that. I, I'll tell people I think it's ADHD, and they're like, 
you know what I mean? It's like, so when, when I first started speaking to you, it comes straight to me, I'd have that feeling again, but then I thought, no, don't say anything, but then you've brought it to me. Bit of validation, that's good for me. Yeah, I'm the same with autism. Like, I will pick it, yeah. like, notice it in people. And I'm like, oh, you can't just walk up somebody in the street. Like, I'll see kids on the bus and I'm like, yeah, if you haven't already, they really need to go <laughs> like some sort of diagnostic assessment. But like, you can't say that to strangers on the bus, can you? That's, that is a social construct that I have learned that you can't just go up to strangers on a bus and say yeah <laughs> um but yeah somebody said adhd oh it's just your anxiety i'm like i don't think it is <laughs> um um but yeah thank you yeah that makes me feel well, validated <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't, like i say i don't yeah <laughs> word for anything do just like i say sort of uh yeah, it comes in. I, I just, I don't want to say I spot it, but yeah, um, I've done it quite a few times and I've kept my mouth shut the last few times somehow. I don't know how, but, um, but anyway. It's hard, uh, isn't it, when it's like screaming at you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of similarities with autism, ADHD as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think there are some distinct differences um, as well that I've found being, being both. I've sort of found like they compete with each other. And yeah, um, like the autism for me is where I want sort of routines and I don't like changing stuff. Whereas the, the ADHD sort of wants to do the opposite, really. So I'm constantly conflicted between um, which one I want to do. Which I find them making diary management really difficult because I'm like, oh, I want routine, but yeah, let's do things all over the place so it looks really like busy. And you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm now currently in a place of I think I need somebody to manage my diary <laughs> because I am making a right mess of this. Um, so yeah, I shouldn't have really just said that, but oh well, <laughs> just <laughs> honesty. <laughs> no, I completely understand that. I completely understand. <laughs> Um, so just with, so going back to autism, um, do you see, well, it's quite a, what's the word? I don't want to say controversial question, but yeah, I'll just ask it anyway. Do, do you see autism as a disability? Um, yes, I think I do in terms of, I know, I get when people say that they don't like the label of disability and stuff, but I think one of the main reasons why I say yes, it is, is because if disability is covered under the Equality Act, so that's where that accessibility comes from. If you can get those adjustments and accommodations because you're covered under the Equality Act. Um, but I also think there are days when... I open my computer and I'll look at my emails and I can't remember how to write an email. I'm like, how is this not a disability? Like, I, I can write emails, <laughs> like, no problem. They may occasionally have spelling and grammar issues. Um, not so much grammar issues we'll go with, but... Yeah. But, like... That doesn't make me feel because I saw some of the other day trying to change disability into being beautifully abled. And I, I get what people are trying to do, 
but for me there are days when I do not feel beautifully able <laughs> I feel like it is a disability because it's prevent like that executive dysfunction is preventing me from doing something that is quite an easy job for me like sending an email is not difficult yeah. but but on those days it is. So I think I say it's mainly for the Equality Act reason, but also because there are days when I just, yeah. <laughs> like if I could just turn autism off for like 30 minutes so I could just get something done <laughs> that resembles pr being productive, that would be amazing. But that doesn't happen on those days and I just sort of have to accept it. Um so, but again, lifelong winded answer to yes, I do. I would say that autism is a disability, but I do, as I say, understand where other people are coming from. Yeah. Yeah, no problem with, with the answers. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, no, I think, um, I think yeah, it's one of those, it's, there's a big divide um, in terms of people thinking it is or it isn't. And I think, yeah, it's about taking other people's opinions into consideration. And I think what you've said about the um, Equality Act is quite important in that sense, um, which has just made me think as well, actually, because um, I'm more in the camp of seeing it as not a disability, but, um, well, I'll, it doesn't matter what my opinion is for this podcast, because it's about you, but, um, yeah, so that's made me think, actually, the Equality Act, because obviously if you... It's not classed as a disability. Um, does that mean legally it has to come out of that the act changes and all that sort of legal stuff? Um, which then means there's less protection and less support, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, which then could cause a bunch of other problems and we can end up going backwards in terms of support, etc. And yeah, so I think it's such a hard one to discuss because well, not to discuss but to actually do anything about um, yeah yeah because like you say there are like really opposing sides to it and like I know like like we're having a conversation about it now in quite a like an understanding way which is great but I have seen it particularly on social media go from yeah. one person just saying one little thing that probably wasn't even saying outright autism is a disability and the, the abuse that comes out of it and you just think we're supposed to support each other in this community <laughs> could we like just go back to, to the nice supportive community that we're supposed to have um yeah like let's not create divisions within <laughs> within the neurodivergent community because that's probably going to cause more harm um at the end of the day so yeah like I'm, yeah I'm always happy to like have the conversation I just think I try not to do it on social media around that particular topic um just because I've seen well <laughs> I've seen it probably not seen it all but I've seen some of the worst things I think um coming from people on on that topic yeah no definitely uh last last said I think is it's a tough one for people to to talk about sometimes. I think, like mm -hmm. I say, you respect people's opinions and you can have an informed discussion about it, then um, it should be okay. But it's where mm -hmm. people start attacking and and what have you. Um, 
I guess something can be very passionate and defensive about things, which then can boil over and go too far uh, the other way. Mm. Um, so, um, a few quick questions. Well, maybe they're not quick questions, it doesn't matter either way. Um, random questions is what I was going to say, actually. Um, let's throw some randomness in there just, just because, really. Um, so, what's your favourite colour? My favourite colour is purple. You can't see any of it here, but it is purple. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and what, if any, what are your special interests or some of your, your special interests that, that you have? Uh, so cats and like history, really into my history. It's like museums um, and film as well. Yeah. yeah. Just out of interest, what is there any particular period in history you interested in or is it abroad um so i really like like the tudors and kind of that kind of going yeah. into elizabethan and sort of a bit further back into kind of like the middle ages like yeah i just yeah as much as i'm aware that it's like this is what you know it's a period of history where we just talk about what men did like <laughs> which is i used to work in museums and it used to be like oh i've just spent all day talking about what well, the men did in history great where's the equality <laughs> um but yeah that's kind of my my kind of period of history yeah yeah sounds good and that again that's probably not for now that's another interesting thing about just making me think actually about how women didn't exist to some degree in history um yeah that's another thing i guess another thing to think about yeah i mean obviously i'm aware there's like Anne Boleyn and and Jane Seymour and Catherine of Aragon and um, Elizabeth I, but we do really focus in on Henry VIII, don't we, when we talk about Tudors? Um, yeah. Um, they know he had six wives, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't ask you to name him, but you probably can, I'm sure, anyway. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do it. Nobody wants to listen to that. Um. So last one on that thing, um, if you could sort of uh, meet any celebrity or actually like extend that, any celebrity or historical famous person, who who would it be and why? Not too hard. You can pick a few if you want to, if it's too hard. I was going to say, I think I might have to go with one historical and one... Um... Yeah, celebrities. I think celebrity for me would probably be Daniel Radcliffe, um, because my special interest that has well linked to film has been kind of Harry Potter, and I'm aware there's controversy around that. Um, but for me, like Daniel Radcliffe is openly dyspraxic, and I just think that's quite a good role model, um, to have. Um, so yeah, I would just love to chat to him about a making those films and b kind of what it was like to be neurodivergent on those sets because I just yeah, yeah. I had somebody who somebody has tried to teach stage combat to how that passed health and safety I have no idea because I wouldn't have given me a sword and gone off you go um <laughs> but people did um I used to work at the Royal Armouries I should probably say when I'm saying people gave me a sword and went off you go um and then in terms of from history, I think 
I would rate there's a lady who was local to around here called Flora Sands, and she was um, during the First or Second World War, she went across, no, First World War. Um, she was in the military. She went, she trained as a nurse, but actually ended up as a soldier. And I just think the idea of a woman on the front and like, what must she have gone up against to be able to do that? And I just think she would be quite empowering to, to talk to. And she was actually involved in the Second World War as well. Um, and to think that she, she didn't fight kind of like where we would expect in the First World War. She was over in kind of um, on the Eastern Front as opposed to the Western Front. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of research on her <laughs> when I, in a previous job and I just think she would have been like amazing to talk to if like actually you you defied those gender stereotypes and I think that's because people used to say to me oh find a woman that did do this I'm like challenge accepted so when I found her I was like amazing um, so yeah if anyone's interested in history look up Flora Sands um she is amazing or was amazing um but yeah <laughs> no I think, I think they're really good answers though actually um <clears throat> obviously doesn't matter who you say, it's whatever you want to say. But I think, like I've said, with Danny Radcliffe, with um, the New Universe side of it, and then also that it's a special interest, combine those two together. Obviously, your passion um, in, so I'll say passion in women, but you know what I mean, in terms of... Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girl power, but you know, you know what I mean, like, whatever, um, you know... Um, can't think of the right words, but you know what I mean with that. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. What else does. Um, so, I mean, just, just leading on to that, um, when I looked at, at what you do, uh, I know you're very passionate about sort of neurodiversity uh, in women in terms of the fact that women can't be autistic, can't have ADHD, but obviously they are and they, they, they do. Um, and sort of bridging that gap in terms of just knowing that women can can be can be neurodiverse um so is there anything you want to talk about in relation to that yeah I just think like you say I'd always been told that it wasn't you know women couldn't be autistic so I think when I go and you know I deliver training or I do some consultancy or I you know talk about my experiences and I say I'm autistic you can see a few people in the room being like and when you start to talk about traits and things like some depending on how comfortable I feel in the experience like I will drop the mask a little bit or um but I have you know I think it's it challenges people and you can see people really trying to work out but it, you know she's autistic but she's not like doing any of the things we'd expect her to do or I've had people say oh we couldn't tell there was anything wrong with you or you know you, you seem okay and I'm like well I am okay and there's nothing wrong well there there is but autism isn't what's wrong with me um so yeah so tr going in and just going do you know what let's flip what it means to be autistic a little bit on its head and actually you know it's not always what your nephew you know how your nephew presents it's not how you know your cousin's best friend's son um I get like it's always like this really distant relation <laughs> um and like 
I just think it's good to challenge those stereotypes and I think because I am quite open and honest about it when people are kind of asking me questions like yeah okay yeah I do mask and I think masking is something that I do talk about quite a lot because I'm like you can't tell I mean I'm saying you can't tell by looking by somebody and I'm fully aware that earlier on I'm like on the bus you can tell in cases of people aren't masking it, it's quite easy to, to tell um yeah. but I would say that yeah the, I don't it just really changes what people think being autistic is like and I think they're like but you can communicate with us and I'm like yep yeah, I can communicate with you and I can <laughs> I can like speak and I can do this and um so yeah and I think the fact that I'm like right these are my like adjustments I need when I speak well, I don't know if it's the same for yourself but like after training I need that bit of space especially if it's been in person I need that space kind of like away from people so I'm not a big fan of when people crowd around me when I'm finished so I am very much like you're gonna have to you know if you've got any further questions either one at a time or by email um yeah so yeah I think I've gone off on a tangent but yeah I think yeah it's just yeah talking everything I do is from a really personal perspective and I also do bring in other people's perspectives as well um but yeah I think that really makes a difference because like oh we've done after like I think a, a big thing that I get is people go oh you must be a person with autism I'm like no <laughs> I am not a person with autism I am an autist and I'm aware that people do like person person with autism but I'm an autistic person and like even that's like a a conversation start of but why <laughs> so I think everything is a conversation I, I always go in with a plan and I don't think I ever stick to which again is that autism I need the plan <laughs> but then I have to go off in a totally different direction um but always trying to keep that point about you know it is going to present differently in different people um regardless you know it could be well gender or even cultural background can have kind of an impact yeah. as well so I think yeah just making sure that people don't think that autism is a, a linear line because I get that quite a lot and it's not something that's specifically male um I hope that kind of answered the question that totally went on my own little <laughs> no it can go wherever it needs to go anyway that's, that's yeah that's what I like it doesn't have to be a set you know question answer question answer it can just sort of flow anyway um know what you said about the person with autism stuff I'm very in agreement with you on, on that one as well and the the line the straight line thing um yeah the the amount of times people say with with autism to me and I sort of have to decide, I have to make a quick decision whether I say anything about it or, or don't, whether I offer my opinion or, or sort of leave it. And yeah, it has to be a very quick decision. And um, I think the thing that knows me about myself with that is generally people who probably need more education on it, I don't then say anything to because I don't know them as well or... I then think, well, it's going to take half an hour explaining this, and then they still might disagree with me anyway. Not that it doesn't matter if they disagree with me, but they might then dismiss what I'm saying is, is a thing, and then yeah, I 
really want to go into a long conversation about this and sometimes I think there's any point, but ultimately there is a point because we need to be doing this, but then it's you have to pick and choose sometimes when you say, oh, she'll forever be having these long conversations where you might not get in anywhere anyway because you could you could explain something to to someone in the most logical way and they still might just not listen to you anyway so yeah absolutely I think sometimes it used I used to get quite frustrated when I used to get feedback and it used to say it was great to speak to somebody who is a person with autism and I used to be like oh no (laughs) but then I used to think but then I'd read on of what they've learned and what they've put into their practice and I'm like actually yeah am I just focusing on one thing and actually they have taken a lot from it that maybe that's something that will come in the future like you say it's about picking those moments isn't it and it's like you know if they picked one thing um yeah it's I mean some people do change their terminology I don't know um yeah so as it depends isn't it there's some people you just think I don't think you're ever going to to change um yeah uh, but yeah that's no absolutely definitely so um just sort of following on from that in terms of what you do work-wise um do you want to just explain about what you do professionally because i believe you've got is it two companies you have is that right yeah yeah so yeah so i own um emily autism and me um which is kind of the training consultancy and um kind of mentoring um and public speaking that i do um all from the perspective of being autistic myself um so that's kind of what i do the majority of the time um and then i'm also a director with uh, differing minds um which is also kind of the founder of that is is jess meredith who um if you haven't already followed her on like social media you should totally do that um who is you know she has adhd and um, so it's kind of looking at neurodiversity um within kind of the corporate world and kind of bigger um things like that so involved in a few of their projects um there are kind of a few coming out in the next couple of weeks which i'm really excited to finally tell people about because i've been working really or we've been working really hard on them um so yes so that's kind of Two different uh, business uh, people like how do you manage two businesses i'm like i just enjoy it but i think that, that may be the the kind of wanting those different things all the time um so yeah so emily autism and me and differing minds yeah 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 that's good um yeah so just with that how did you find um did, well do you refer to yourself as an entrepreneur or businesswoman what whatever you refer to them as how, how did you find that sort of process um hard <laughs> i think in a more simple term i found it hard i think i still find it quite hard like so i went through the prince's trust um like enterprise program from the 30s yes 18 to 30s um year olds and again like trying to work out what my own access needs were at that point and being like this is really quite difficult and it was kind of a very much a back and forth of 
you know, this isn't really working. And um, and then kind of managed to get through like the, the program. And then it was trying to find a mentor that I could work, not that I could work with, but like kind of understood. And that took quite a few months. I think it took six months to work that out. Um, yeah. But now I do have um, kind of a, a business mentor for like another year. Um, who has been really good and really kind of adaptive, um, adaptive, yeah, um, yeah, to things. And I think, yes, there are moments where I go, oh, which I'm sure you experienced yourself kind of going, yeah. um, at your own business. I think people say it like it's really easy, and it's, it's really not. You suddenly have to do all these jobs like diary management that nobody has ever taught you how to do before um so yeah but like I say it's it's a work in progress there are definitely other business support things that I've tried to access even as recently as last week that are miles away from being accessible so I think I just again it's which which battles do you fight like do I really want to be taking on business support people probably not <laughs> do I need to be probably yes but at the moment I'm like no uh, <laughs> um so yeah I would say it's it's been a challenge but we're kind of we're getting there definitely yeah I've made it past the first year so that's that's a good start <laughs> um yeah no it's interesting um now I went for the Prince's Trust previously as well um as un undiagnosed everything i've not been diagnosed with anything so uh yeah i can remember doing all the business plans and went back and forth with that and um cash flow projections etc etc um yeah there's a lot that goes into it then once you get through all that then you're starting for real then and you've got all these extra things you never thought of before um it's just a diary management they've got the whole accounts um accounting side of it and just dealing with everyday life as an entrepreneur is is i, I love it but it's also very challenging and throw many different things along the way so yeah totally yeah. totally understand that um is there anything just want to move on is there anything you want to sort of talk about in relation to the last few points or do you want me to move on um not like i can think of no i think we've kind of gone through like you say it's it's challenging i think being neurodivergent and self-employed or a business owner doesn't really get talked about that much so i think i'd like to see that being raised more and i have seen a few people on linkedin kind of starting to say do you know what it's actually not very easy <laughs> um but yeah I think it yeah and I would like people who are offering business support to not just go you need better time management yeah look up what being autistic or ADHD or dyspraxic is like and then try and tell me I need to time management um no exactly yeah yeah that's probably my last point on that <laughs> so just in relation to so autism um, or any of the conditions that you, you have really um what sort of what interests you most um and it may might be the gender 
sort of side that you mentioned earlier. Is there anything else that sort of in, interests you in particular with autism, things you're wanting to, to achieve in relation to that or talk about more or wish people knew some more about? Yeah, I think there's probably two. So it's probably it is the, the kind of gender side of it, I think, was what originally drew me to, to kind of setting up Emily Autism and Me. And I also think it's accessibility, um, particularly because I've worked in museums. And when you look at accessibility information, it's always about if it's wheelchair accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I may do in the future, but at the moment, I'm not a wheelchair user, so it's, but I still need to know that accessibility information. So it's realizing that hidden disabilities need, um, again, I'm using the, the, the phrase disability, yeah. but um, need that acknowledgement that we've, <laughs> we need to know about accessibility. And I think we are heading towards that but again it's very much aimed at parents of autistic children um i mean there is quite a yeah. large museum um in london where they, their accessibility information has parents of uh, parents of autistic children survival guide like how insulting do you want to be in one guide <laughs> like yeah. If I gave that to my mum, she'd go, you're 29, you read it. <laughs> like, and why do they need a survival guide? Like, it's... <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, just accessibility, improving it in general and realising that it's not just about being wheelchair accessible um, and that it's not difficult either. You don't have to knock down buildings and rebuild them to be accessible. Um, I mean, in some cases maybe you do, but 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 not not that's not like the the norm to have to knock down buildings to make them accessible. It's more about like workplace cultures and policies and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's um, it's good to hear as well. Um, well. Obviously, not good and good at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just just in terms of, well, the other thing I was going to ask really is just like, um, are there any specific goals you have? I mean, you may have just answered all that there, really. Um, it's a similar sort of question, but are there, are there any particular things you'd like to achieve uh, in relation to just neurodiversity or mental health in general, other than what you said, really? Yeah, so other than kind of what I've already mentioned, um, I mean, I, I am quite, I realise I'm quite overambitious, but the fact that there's, you know, we're both doing similar things, but actually, and I know everyone's like, oh, you should never talk to the competition. I'm like, what a load of nonsense. And like, actually, that's good because there'll be, I've got my own capacity limits. You'll have your own capacity limits. Um, so I think it's, where are you going, brain? <laughs> um, so other than what I've kind of already mentioned it's things like I would really like in the media to see a more positive representation of of people who are autistic or ADHD or dyspraxic because I think it's currently very stereotypical and not necessarily positive I know there are some positive ones out there 
but not the ones that people immediately jump to. Um, like we're not all Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Um, I do love Big Bang Theory, but I don't love it for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of that in the media, and I think improving access to services um, and that, you know, and especially if you're an adult, um, like it doesn't disappear the second we turn 18. Um, because I, I always say, as I just said earlier on, that the only thing that upset me when I got my autism diagnosis was they went, Oh, we've got some young people's support, but that's only up to the age of 25 and you're 27, so you're not not eligible for that. And I was like, I'm old. <laughs> I'm not I'm not upset, I'm autistic, I'm old. Like I didn't need to hear that. Um yeah. So yeah, so some more kind of lifelong support, like, or just any support to be quite frankly, <laughs> quite frank, um, and not just for autism, but like dyspraxia shouldn't stop being diagnosed on the NHS after you turn 18. Um, yeah, yeah, just genuinely improving access to, and I think mental health services need to understand that their usual methods may not work for autistic people. Um, yeah. And, and telling us that it's our fault if it doesn't work, genuine quote, <laughs> it is not helpful <laughs> and will just make us probably worse than we already were before. So yeah, being, yeah. But again, that that's a lot. <laughs> to achieve and I'm aware it probably will take a very very long time um because I know people I'm sure you've heard people will say oh autism wasn't a thing when you were at school oh, and yeah. I only left in 2011 <laughs> like it was a thing <laughs> when I was at school um my GCSE chemistry coursework was on whether the MMR vaccine causes autism so autism was a thing when I was at school. Um, I really wish I could remember what I put. I hope I put it doesn't. Otherwise, I'm going to be so ashamed of myself. But strangely, I don't keep coursework from 13 years ago. Um, but yeah, lots to achieve. And I think just anything to improve quality of life for people who are neurodivergent is just going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's a good answer. Um, a few points I want to pick up on that, actually. Um, there was one I forgot to roll down, so whether that comes back into mind, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, just when you said about being overambitious, um, I get told the same myself. And, well, just my opinion on that, I don't think it's a bad thing in the slightest. Um, I think it's like managing it is the biggest um, like for me personally, because I've got loads and loads of ambitions outside of neurodiversity um, and also within neurodiversity itself. And I think the biggest thing is, well, come back to diary management and all that sort of stuff. It's figuring ways out how to navigate that side of it in order to then achieve the goals, in my opinion. Because I think I personally, I probably offend some people, but I, m most people I come across uh, under ambitious if that's even a word um, and it amazes me how many people are not ambitious and um, 
some people sort of don't know how to take me sometimes when I say some of my ambitions. So all I would say with that is, yeah, um, my opinion, there's nothing wrong with being perceived or whatever as, as over-ambitious. Um, the other thing I'd say is, uh, when you said about competition a minute ago, that, that's very, very interesting. I keep saying the word interest. I need to flip that word around for something else, by the way. Um, I've said it about a dozen times. Um, if anyone's counting, you have to let me know. Um, yeah, just with that, what I've found since being in the neurodiversity field, if you want to call it that way, um, work-wise, I found it's completely different to every other industry I've been in and that most, well, pretty much everyone I've come across, um, like yourself, has been very supportive and wants to collaborate or um, work together or push each other along sort of thing, rather than being the opposite what you see in other films. And, and my personal opinion is, because we're neurodiverse selves, we're, we tend to be more honest and tend to be more, uh, I don't want to say nicer, because that'll give me some, I'll get some stick for that. But yeah, that's that's what I tend to find anyway. Because yeah. um, I've connected with so many people like yourself who are doing coaching, training or similar things, who are autistic, may have ADHD, dyspraxia, whatever. And supportive is a word I'm looking for as well, but tend yeah. to be better each other um I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about it in more detail sometime as well actually um yeah um was any other industry i've been in like i've i've been in many different industries sports sales warehousing office environments loads of things as well and a lot of it is very much um cutthroat and sort of yeah just competitive in a bad way and sort of trying to each other over and all this sort of stuff um so yeah no it's interesting you bring that up as well because so that word again um yeah no it, it i think there's a lot in that in itself and that we yeah. tend to be supportive and i mean th there's going to be some people that that are not like that but i'd say they're in the minority in in my experience at least yeah, definitely. And I don't see why if we've got similar values and similar like ambitions and we're coming from the same place, like why why would you not be supportive? I've definitely found kind of other companies where I think I'm not sure I agree <laughs> with your ethos <laughs> and where you're going. Um, but that's okay as well because the world would be boring if we all wanted exactly the same thing. Um, I just hope that that kind of, yeah. But yeah, like you say, why would you not be supportive? Like, yeah, Princess Trust couldn't understand me when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like friends with people <laughs> that do what I do. And like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like, I recommend them if I can't do it. It's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I didn't realise that was bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, completely, completely agree. And I think it's as you've said about values, etc. I think because I, I can't speak for everyone, of course, in this field, but I think many of us have similar values, but similar goals. Obviously, some may be slightly different. But generally, it's about making your diversity accepted and supported better in, in, a, in a very broad 
draw thing. But um, there's lots of things that go into that. But I mean, that's the general thing. And I think that's why we're all, what most of us seem to be supportive, etc., because of that. Whereas if you look in other industries, whatever it is, they might be trying to sell a product and someone else is selling a product and the similar things, but theirs is better than theirs. And you could say the same could apply here, but I think it is different because of what I've said. Yeah. I, I do find that. Um, but yeah. Um, right, we'll start wrapping up in a second. Um, moving on to quickly, Asher, just because you mentioned uh, Big Bang Theory. I was just wondering if you'd watched any other autism shows in autism shows character you know what I mean by that and I know what you mean <laughs> um so there's there's a word which I've watched I don't know if you've seen that one um okay we won't talk about that and, yeah, sorry <laughs> uh, no it's fine I'm just interested um have you seen atypical on Netflix have you watched that one I've not seen it because I don't know I think I'm quite hesitant to watch things because I tend to see how other people react. And I'm like, Atypical for me had quite mixed reviews. So I'm a bit, yeah, like everyone tells me, oh, like you should watch it, it's great. And then they'll say why they think it's great. And I'm like, that's slightly offensive. (laughs) Like it's so inspirational, like no, no, no um but yeah it is it's to be honest I'm quite bad at watching new <laughs> new programs um like I just tend to watch the same thing on repeat but atypical is something that yeah. I would like to watch if obviously <laughs> you would recommend it if it's if it's one to avoid I will avoid <laughs> um I think this is just my opinion so I will stress that um I think it's a good tv show to watch in terms of autism, there are many things that knock me, but I can separate the two. Um, if you can't and you're just going to look at the autism and think, God, that's that's wrong, that's wrong, why are they doing it? Then I would say possibly not watch it. It depends on whether it triggers you in the sense of whether it just annoys you. Like There's, there's some things I look at, I'm like, I roll my eyes, but the... I like the TV show and I think it's a good TV show, but then I think then I have that confliction of but they're depicting autism not in the best way in some some senses. So I'm a bit like, should I then be watching this? Because then I'm a viewer and then I'm thinking I've got that thing in my head to wrestle with. So yeah, yeah I suppose it's yeah, I mean <clears throat> I'd say compared to some things I've seen about autism, it's not the worst, but it could be well, the main guy in it is male. Um, he's, I think he's at school, just starting college or, or university, actually. Um, whatever we call it, a college in America. Um, so he's like, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, maybe a bit older. Um, okay. So, and he's very he's very blunt, as a lot of autist people can be, but like in a more stereotypical male blunt way. Right. So um, that might sort of, Put you off so yeah i'm sort of 50 50 whether to recommend it again it depends really um yeah, i guess yeah yeah i mean i will yeah but i mean yeah. it's difficult yeah. isn't it because it's like 
oh, I've given viewing figures to this program. <laughs> um, I will say a, like a positive representation that I did see last Thursday. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the ambulance program that's on BBC One. Um, so one of the paramedics on it was was chatting to a, a patient in the back of the ambulance and just went, I'm autistic and talked about being like diagnosed, talked about masking, and it was just really positive. Um, so yeah, if that's still on like BBC iPlayer, um, <laughs> I would highly recommend. I mean, it was quite, I will also say it was quite a difficult episode to watch in terms of some of the content, so I will also add that in. Um, but um, in terms of like his sections talking about being autistic, that was really positive, yeah. That, that's that's really good to hear as well. Because um, masking, I don't recall really seeing it on the TV. I know a lot of people talk about it on LinkedIn and stuff, but as well, people like us do, but I don't see it on the TV or anything. So, yeah. no, that, that's good that it's at least there's some progress made in that sense. Um, so, um, is there anything else you'd like to add or, or say? Um, before we start wrapping up um no i don't think so i think that's kind of yeah all on that one yeah cool right well it's been great having you on the uh, podcast appreciate you being on um i'd be interested to say that word again to see um see how you you progress and, and what you do in the future and yeah um been great having you so uh for those listening thanks for, for listening and joining today and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Cheers, everyone.